Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Battle Royale podcast. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello everybody. And tonight we are on chapter 7, comparing weapons of our breakdown, one DVD chapter at a time, of the classic, hook classic that is Battle Royale. Uh, on our previous episodes, the story so far... Our class, who have obviously been chosen to participate in this year's Battle Royale, have found themselves taken to the island and given the rules of the game. And last episode, we saw them finally enter into the killing field as we saw the first of our victims. And now uh, we're into chapter 7, and this is where the chapters were real lines start getting drawn as to who's actually playing the game and who's really not going to be participating as we will obviously cover over the course of this episode um but yes Stephen, i mean obviously we are now finally out in the field it feels like it's taken forever to get there but we are now obviously out in the the killing field so to speak and uh finally going to uh, start seeing some of these uh, characters that we've come to know and obsess over for the last six episodes really start to uh meet their demise so yeah, and 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 some that we never noticed are going to disappear before before we barely knew them. <laughs> it's very true. Um, obviously, we with this uh, episode we open with uh, Katano, who is uh, enjoying his cookies or his confiscated cookies, should we say? And it's really kind of interesting because his like sergeant or whatever is sort of like head of his military forces like comes along and is sort of like you really got everything organized here and starts trying to mess with his things and everything that this guy tried to pick up he just like gets taken off him and just like gets put aside it's almost as if katana is sort of running his own operation outside of the uh one the military are obviously running so yeah it does does make you wonder how the other battle royales have gone I assume without Katano, whether they were a little less um, crazy. <laughs> I know the whole thing is crazy, right? But you know what I mean. <laughs> it's, it's it does it does make me wonder how the others are. Are we seeing a special episode? Well, I mean, even when we look at his many sort of faces, and we're just to, to stop sort of confusion here, we're just going to refer to him as being Katana for all three forms, because obviously in the book, as we could have read in the book and the manga, he obviously has different names. Um, and he also has completely different looks which is also really interesting as well uh, with the manga version obviously being got more sort of grotesque and sort of pushed to a more extreme like much of the events of the actual um, the, the the events of the film that are covered in the manga so sort of, everything sort of really sort of pushed to the sort of extreme but with Katana I mean he's as I said he just really seems to be just running his own sort of game and using the program as a way to sort of extract I want to which we say like he's extracting a revenge on this class who obviously have uh, caused him so much pain in his life or is it just uh, his way of just striking back at the youth sort of generally and I'm I, I can only believe that this is a personal vendetta that the Battle Royale program has opened up for him to, because, you know, who was the first person he killed? Well, the second person he killed was the guy that slashed him on the arse. This is, yeah. you know, there's no there's no playing favourites here, as though he, he had that in mind. 
Um, and the fact that he knew this class, just the whole thing stinks, doesn't it? That, that it's a setup. But again, we've spoken about this many times, and we'll probably say it again and again when it gets even weirder. Yeah, definitely. So, um, really, from from here, uh, the next sort of person we see is uh, Kazuro Kiriyama, obviously our exchange student, who's um, you know the more unhinged of the two. Um, it's probably the best way to sort of describe him, and we have the he's really sort of reintroduced, and he's been captured by one of the gangs, um, and he's being kept on, he's sort of brought to the um, the seafront. Uh, they're basically first of all they're sort of, they're kind of mocking him, and they also feel that he's a mole that's been planted in the game to encourage them to fight and kill each other, which is really as far from the you know the truth as possible i mean he has no allegiances to anyone whatsoever um only himself especially in the film version yeah and and they are that kind of pathetic japanese bully that you see in so many films where they sort of just sort of surround him and call him names and push him around a bit and you just think you stupid fuckers (laughs) 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 you've you've clearly picked the wrong guy Yeah, definitely so. Um, I mean, certainly when we compare this version of uh, Kazu to like the manga and the novel, uh, the group that he actually beats on the on the the beach there, or however you want to describe it, um, are actually his own gang that he reunites with, and they have this whole discussion about whether they're all going to team up and or and like you know form this group to try and win the game or they're going to sort of like fight amongst themselves and just like the best man wins and it's all ironically decided by a coin toss and I remember watching like No Country for Omen and thinking how stupid that like <laughs> the main the main sort of like like big choices that uh, the hitman in that film chose to use was a freaking coin toss um, was it Chigoro I believe mm, can't remember his name but yes yes and, absolutely um, and uh, yeah, here we have again a coin toss decides uh, whether Kazoo is going to obviously have the backing of his gang or he goes alone. And obviously, the coin toss decides that they're all going to fight to the F. And he quickly, as we see in the film, he takes control of the situation and sets up on his own. But when we look at this sort of character, even prior to the games, I mean, due to his accident that we've we mentioned uh, a few episodes back where he was in that car crash that left him basically completely emotionless and immune to sort of any sort of emotion at all and kind of a sadist. It makes the race look, it makes uh, complete sense that he would have no qualms about wiping out his gang and just completely stockpiling uh, the weapons that they had because he has a Japanese war fan, which is just pretty naff. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what they expect anyone to do with that. I I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't really know how how you do anything with that outside of a a brothel maybe I don't know. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. Well, they do say that the uh, first rule of war is the element of surprise. <laughs> okay, but it is interesting that you've described what happens in the book because that scene then yeah. makes more sense. The fact that they have a pre-existing relationship with him would make sense that they've all met up on the beach together. Yes, um, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense at all in the context of the movie. 
So that is it very looks more that he sort of stumbled into this this group, mm. and as you said, it's just that very sort of traditional Japanese bully uh, in sort of like the film yeah. sense that we see, where they're just like they sort of surround them and call them names and <laughs> and slap them around the head a lot. So, and uh, you know, it's their cockiness that leads to their ultimate sort of demise here, and. It's even more so. I mean, the fact is, you've got here people where you've got people with machine guns and pistols and grenades, and it's sort of like you have the ultimate advantage here, and it's your cockiness that ultimately wipes you out. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and he does, you know, Japanese war fan or not, he doesn't just take control. He get he gets the main weapon, kills them all, ups his arsenal with the useful bits, and there's a wonderful bit. So, he, so he, he takes the like a machine gun, doesn't he? And the two yeah. grenades that are dropped, and then he picks up a pair of nunchucks, and he looks at them and just throws them away dismissively, <laughs> probably upsetting a million martial arts fans across the world. Where he just, yeah, what fucking good are they? Just <laughs> throws them away. It's a fair comment, really. I mean, yeah. You're facing people with guns, and unless you know what you're doing with them, you're more likely to go maim yourself. I mean, I don't know if you've ever messed around with a nunchuck before at all, I, but... I certainly have not. <laughs> okay. Chances are that you're probably going to do more damage to yourself than, than your <laughs> intended opponent. It's more of a weapon to sort of distraction than, than anything, really. Um, I mean, it... In, obviously in the hands of like a master like Bruce Lee who obviously most memorably welded the dual nunchucks who we saw mm. in like um, Where the Dragon and I believe in Enter the Dragon as well um, it's you know it's this ultimate weapon to sort of beat your foes down but with but uh, yeah in the hands of a layman you're just going to end up maiming yourself or giving yourself a nasty concussion um, someone who I... can use nunchucks though is Rebel Wilson really? Yep, she's a trained nunchuck practitioner, and uh, you've probably seen her in several films, including Pain and Game, where she actually demonstrates oh. her nunchuck skills. Well, there you go. I've learned something today, and I've just learned something else. So, this yeah. Japanese fan. <laughs> um, you actually looked up what a fan I, 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 I have, because it was just bugging me. And actually, it's a paper okay. fan, and it's known as yes. a Harisen. And actually, it's uh, it's a comic prop. So basically, in sort of um, sort of that kind of stupid physical stand-up comedy where you've got a straight man and a and a and a, and a silly person, a funny man, yes. um, the straight man would hit the funny man with this um, with this Harrison, um, and it basically it's the same as a slapstick, which is what happened in the West where I'm at the, the guy would be hit with a stick, which is where slapstick comes from. So it's it's literally a joke. <laughs> it's, it's it's just a paper fan that that's that's there for comic effect. So there you go. Not as you probably more useful than a nunchuck, but the but the but yeah it, it is probably the least useful thing looking at our list of of weapons. I think it, you know, at least you could poke someone's eye out with a fork, couldn't you? <laughs> is this is this in the plastic hammer? I think, uh, 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 and the cloth headband maybe are um, the least useful weapons. Um, it's also worth noting that the girl we see here, Izumi Kanani, another character who is uh, more sort of developed in the book and, and the manga. Basically, she's not actually part of, of the gang at all. She just happens to stumble into this sort of situation. 
interesting. Um, in the manga, I mean, the, the manga obviously is very sort of over-sexist or very over-violent. Um, as part of the... Part of her been sort of stumbling into it, is there is a scene where, as part of the coin flip, they're obviously going to decide that if they're going to going to rape rape her or not. And I was like, and there's so many elements of the, like the manga and the book. That I'm so glad that they cut out and obviously these elements just to have her as just sort of like this girl who's with these other guys in the film. I'm perfectly happy to accept that. And at the same time, I like the idea of him meeting with. Um, Kazuma meeting with his his former gang and them deciding because obviously if you're going in there's many several groups here who have existing alliances as we see uh, when we start getting into like some of these more sort of obscure characters and it's kind of good the film obviously addresses like where does your alliance lie when you're in this sort of situation do you stick with your gang or do you sort of look after your own interests really mm. um, in particular I mean Mitsuko also has her gang as well which we, we will touch on a bit later as well. But, um, yeah, with Kazu, he decides that he's just going to go off on his own all on the back of a, a coin flip in the uh, in the um, in the manga in the book. So, But obviously in the film, he's just... He's there as the lone wolf. So this is just really sort of a great scene just to sort of introduce him and just show how just he's not this character to be underestimated. Although, just when they sort of opening sort of salvo that he does i didn't think that he was going to be like this ultimate uh force that he, he he becomes by the end of the game so from here we obviously get uh introduced to um another couple of side characters we got uh sakura ogawa and we've um got her boyfriend um called uh Kazukio yamamoto and uh the two are just basically no matter which version you see now they're just basically you know they're the kind star-crossed lovers they just wanted to be together and they haven't really got they don't really have any sort of major sort of backstory um about them but they decide that they're going to be the ones to opt out of uh out of the game and um i have to say it's, it's still a really powerful sort of sequence where we see these characters choosing to end their, their lives by throwing themselves off a cliff it, it it is all all I wonder is it, it just happens a bit early. Um, she 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 seems to be wearing the trousers in this one, but uh, she's clearly made the decision for them both that they're not going to fight. She throws her mm. throws her bag over the cliff, and basically pulls him with her as, as they go. Um, and as a method of committing suicide, I don't know that 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 seems a very, I don't know that wouldn't be my favourite jumping off a cliff. Not that I've considered suicide much at all, but you know what I mean? There, there seems to be an awful lot of, um, you know, you, you've got to do a really big thing to do that. And there's every chance one of them might have survived. Um, so, yeah, that would be horrible. But, yeah, um, this, is, there's a, there's, this is the first in a, in a couple of, 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 of the numbers thinning by their own hand. But it is, it is very powerful because you kind of see them jump off the cliff and, and, and her statement is, you know, we've decided we're not playing this game this is just stupid let's be together in the afterlife basically um but i'm just surprised it's so early on in in in, in the game itself yeah you'd have thought they might have gone through some hell first 
Definitely so, and it almost feels like accident, more accidental. This sort of death when you compare it to like the book and the mangas, they get um, they hear a rustling in the buses, which uh, bush the rustling in the bushes, uh, which turns out to be uh, Yuki uh, Utami, who didn't actually mean them any harm, but uh, it's that's all it takes is for them to sort of like startle them and throw themselves off the cliff. When the film version, it's sort of like more, she's sort of like plays this sort of nurturing role and has to guide him off the cliff. Um, I never really saw it as, like, her wearing the trousers, like, oh, you're going to do this because I say so. I just thought it was sort of, like, more of a... That they both decided of it, and he needed more of a a nurturing nudge. (laughs) I I get in the film, in the the, the 30-second screen time they have, that's just the impression I got. But, but you know... They, they, they go together and there seems to be a lot of pairing off in this film you're either in a gang or you're in a romantic relationship or or, or, or you'd like to be in one <laughs> as, as we'll yeah. see in a second <laughs> I think any of those choices though would not end well for you <laughs> in this this thing you're better off like being on your own it would seem um, absolutely although I, I have to say I don't know who wrote the Barrier wiki but in their notes in trivia they've noted that uh, Kazuko and also for that fact, uh, Sakura um, owed one of the seven students who've lost their virginity. And I'm thinking, who sits around and writes this? <laughs> it's How like, do, they know do I really been... need this that... key piece of information? Well, in in in, in a in a classic horror film, of course, that's very important, isn't it? You know, the loss of the virginity of the of, and, and the and the maintaining of the virginity in the in the in the slasher film can be very important in Battle Royale. Not so much, but I guess no. again, this is all about you know set this in Japanese society. I can't remember how old we decided these kids were. Um, uh, Fifteen, sixteen, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the age of consent is there, but of course, if they have lost their virginity, does that mean that they you know they're not good Japanese kids that they're that they're you know they're delinquents for some reason? Again, these two really don't come across as delinquents to me, but. Yeah, no, that's that's what happens in in such societies. Yeah, um, just a little bit of the in the novel uh, because obviously the novel has much more slant towards the you know the evil government and parents sort of standing up as um, as sort of rebels, rebellious sort of forces or opposition to the government and often meeting uh, horrible fates. Uh, this is also what happened to uh, with Sakura Ogura's uh, father who um, was suspected of anti-government activities and uh, as such uh, was uh, gunned down without a warrant by the government. So there's obviously, you, with many of these characters, they have links to, you know, anti-government activity and, you know, the citizens and the government that uh, sort of resonates really between more within the novel. And I don't know why it's not really sort of mentioned more in the film and the manga. It's sort of like uh, one of those sort of subtexts that's never really sort of there. I mean, obviously the manga is sort of more focused on the uh, the shock and awe of the situation, whereas the film obviously has its own sort of... Mm. It goes with the mentality of, like, we've set up the backstory where the Battle Royale program has been set up by the government to restore order and, you know, um, especially fight back against the youth. Yes, it doesn't really link the participants. Yeah, it doesn't really link the participants to the program. And again, you know, when we talked in the past about why have these students been selected and so on and so forth, you know, in the novel, 
you think, well, there yeah. could be multiple reasons going on here. You know, we like to think this has been a fair, a fair, a fair random decision, but you know, you wonder if they are punishing people who aren't on the island by by killing their kids. Don't know. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then we get into our final sort of. Uh big moment of this uh, particular chapter is we're introduced to Megumi Ito um, who is um, one of the, again she's uh, one of the these characters who really has no reason that she should be on the battle royale field and as such is sort of like destined to become an early victim of this especially when there's so many stronger characters out there with their own sort of psychotic tendencies it's the sort of character that is going to fall pretty easily uh but when we're obviously introduced to megumi she's chosen to hide out and spend all her time looking at photos that she's taken which is always a great thing when you know you're on the run from your now psychotic classmates but each to their own <laughs> yeah it's a bit creepy as well isn't it? <laughs> if she was a guy that would be extra stalkery creepy but uh... Yeah, yeah. She she's sitting there under. The, she's found somewhere to hide. She's got a middle range weapon, uh, a sort of stun electric stun cattle proddy kind of thing. And yeah, but she's spending her time looking at photos of her of her school friend that she's obviously got a crush on that she's taken clearly surreptitiously. Oh, um, yeah, and she's it's in much like the um, in the slight change out to the the film version uh, in the novel she has a double bladed diver's knife which I have to say is slightly more obvious in its effectiveness than the stun gun but the stun gun the stun gun does give it, it is quite a nice um, visual isn't it um it, you can you can threaten with it, and it's got a like a visual, it's an elegance to it, its visual little <laughs> electrical spark that you can see, especially because it's quite dark where they are. It's um, I think it's quite a nice addition to the to the piece. Yeah, um, I think it's it it certainly sort of matches with her sort of like, I think it also matches more with her personality that you know this sort of this sort of person of a timid nature would mm. have. <clears throat> she would be assigned like a stun gun. It, would, it makes more sort of sense than just having her. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a defensive weapon rather yeah. than a than an, an attacking one, and it, but at the same time, it's um, not pointless. Yeah. So, and um, in the you know in the in the novel and the and the manga, uh, she's attempting to use her mobile phone to contact the outside world, only to find that it's. All signals have been blocked and taken over by the Butterwell program. So she's uh, tries to speak to her father, but it turns out that she's actually speaking to Katana, who basically taunts her. Um, now, in the manga, uh, she breaks her phone and tosses it aside, and that leads to her being discovered by Mitsuko. Uh, whereas in the novel... Um, Katana does this real bastard thing that even though he can because he can obviously see what all the students are so he knows Mitsuko's there and decides to phone uh, Megumi back and say oh yeah you've got to be careful There's, that your phone might give your position away in a real sort of asshole move <laughs> but um, oh, dear. What yeah to this extent I kind of prefer what the film does with Megumi because it obviously has her hiding out and 
again, the fact she's looking at photos rather than, you know, doing any sort of defensive prep is just beyond me. But we are obviously introduced to uh, Mitsuko, who's, um, I mean, did we, did you get any sort of inklings of her true intentions from when she's introduced? I mean, she's obviously making creepy faces with the torch, which in that sort of iconic shot. And <clears throat> So, I mean, this is which my one? favorite character. Megumi or Mitsuko? And it's taken 35... Okay. Mitsuki. Mitsuko. I think we talked about this in our, in our top 50 episodes. Um, and, and, and she's going to be really important. And, and her story and her backstory in the novel is really well fleshed out. In yeah. this director's cut, they do a little bit more with it. Um, even the basketball scenes will <laughs> make sense in her context in this story eventually. Um, and also, you know, she's she is actually the the the, the actress is actually sort of uh, will become one of Japan's sort of leading modern actresses of of the modern age as well so she's kind of important but yeah she walks in she plays around with the flashlight she does that yeah it's iconic isn't it it's <laughs> it's that look and but you can see that she's a bit just from the way she talks you can see maybe she's not sincere in this Oh, can I come and sit with you? And straight away she picks up the weapon. And I don't know. It's just you—you you know, she's a bad girl. <laughs> and and she, she yeah, doesn't take long to show. That, it. You know, Megumi's obviously dismisses her weapon um, as being useless, and she sort of like no, Mitsuko knows instantly. It's sort of like, oh, you can do all these other things with it, and you, you know that this isn't Mitsuko's first time. Yeah, someone's someone's got a bad heart. Yeah, someone's got a bad heart. Yeah, you could do some and, damage with this, couldn't you? Yeah, I think it just plays in so much better than when, when you, obviously you compare it to, like, you know, the manga in the novel where she's either got that diver's knife or she's got the brass knuckle blade. Um, and I think, as I said, I just think the stun gun just works so much more effectively in this sort of sequence. And when Mitsuko's sort of, like, she draws herself in, so she's got, like, this snake-like sort of presence. She's sort of, like slowly working her way around and then as soon as she's really got knows that she's got her in the right sort of position and made sort of sort of like strike at her. Um that's when she reveals her true nature and she's obviously got the stickle. Which is um I have to say it's mm. it is a pretty cool weapon. I don't know what you sort of rate Oh she goes she goes well, like Mitsuka said, she goes. She goes. Oh, I thought originally that it was so-so, but actually now I see it's going to be quite useful. <laughs> and she, yeah, it's 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 a nice weapon. I mean, it needs you need to be a bit close to to use it properly. Although I imagine you could throw it, but then that would be just throw it one point. Self-defeating, but just I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I realised that after I said that. But she's um. You know, we haven't even met her before, I don't think. I don't think the camera's lingered on her. I think it might have lingered on her a little bit in that first sort of waking up shot in the when they when they when they sort of first wake up after the gassing. But she's such an important character, this, and she's she is to me the most well-rounded character in terms of story and motivation and why she is how she is, especially in the novel. I think in the novel, there's loads of great stuff done with um, Mitsuke. Mitsuke. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, just odd that you know this is the first time we've met her, um, and we're you know we're nearly forty, forty, nearly forty minutes into the film, and uh, I think she makes an excellent entrance, not just because you know the old Halloween talk. 
torch up up up, up on your face bit. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing the great thing about Mizuko is that she looks like she's just gonna be like, you know, the good girl. That she's not going to be this sort of the threat that she obviously is in the game. Uh and she's not got this sort of like obvious where you look at the other sort of main contenders of this game, they've all got this area of sort of dangerousness about them and especially with the male characters, they're very sort of like open in how they are and she's sort of like a lot more sort of sneaky and we I think the only other character who sort of comes close to matching her sort of personality is uh Chikasaw. Um and even then it's when she's 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 sort of pushed into taking action whereas uh <coughs> Mitsuko has obviously been harboring a lot of uh, pent up rage for quite some long time and now sees it as a way to sort of like uh, really sort of um, provide it with an outlet. When I think of Mitsuko, I think of World of Kanako. Especially in the fact that, that here we have two... Yeah, that they, they are... Two seemingly nice girls, but very dark, <laughs> very dark secret lives. No, I absolutely agree with you there. They are, they are, they are from the same archetype. You know, there's there's... There's a thing about you know the, the the purity of the Japanese schoolgirl, which obviously gets corrupted in all sorts of media, but you know they they work hard, they 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 study hard, they do some kind of um, they usually play lacrosse or something, you know what I mean? You know they've they're, 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 they're all good girls, but actually behind that there's a darkness and there's a darkness. Um, which often is shown through some kind of perverted sexuality. So in World of Kanako, you know, the girl's pimping out her best mates, and amongst amongst other things. In here, we we will learn a lot about this character and sort of the what she does and the and the reasons why why she is what she is. Um, and she's uh yeah she's she's like a poster child for for, for things that are potentially wrong in Japanese society. Um, uh, she's she's fantastic, and and to think this is sort of like Ko uh, Shibasaki's. I think it's her first role, her first sort of feature film role. She'll go on and she'll be a like I say a major star, and and as as always, you know, not not just in acting, but she'll be, she's a singing star as well, and she's a TV star, and she's a she's a big she's she's a big deal. And this is this is her first role. She's the real breakout actor, I think. Yeah, there's, there's one or two others that, that that did have a career after this, but yeah, really, there's just more to her than the okay. others, I think, and that's why I'm in awe of her. <laughs> I think she's great. Yeah, I mean, the film obviously when she reveals her true nature, and we obviously, you know, she slashes the throat of uh, Megumi. Um, it's a sort of like a colorway. I mean, I think it's a real effective colorway in the manga. She means she gives the quip that red really isn't Megumi's color, which I thought was pretty funny. And at the mm. same time, that uh, we also we also see in the novel that she really is always right from the start of the game. She sort of announced that she was she was just going always going to be playing the game. There was never any sort of question about it. Um, but it, with both times that um, she uses this sort of like charm to sort of work her way in that we don't really see any other time because once she has this one she has this one moment where she's plays the charm game and all the rest of the time she's just always there as this presence who just like turns out of nowhere and just suddenly starts wreaking chaos whenever she does she never seems to use the same sort of yeah, charm she, offensive again well I imagine most people know what she's like 
But like I say, like I say again, that there's going to be a piece later on where this everything sort of becomes clear. And uh, to me, yeah, again, she, she hers is the most rounded character. But I can't help wondering if I think some of that is because I have read the novel, and I, I she is the one that I feel again her character arc is the one I remember from the novel because it's really fucking yeah. dark <laughs> it's just, um, oh yeah the film cuts it's, all it's of it out really I mean, she seems like yeah. much more of a bullied in the film she seems like much more of like this bullied character who is now finally getting the chance to take revenge on sort of like these people mm. who've been been sort of the mean to and referred to as being like this witch um, whereas in like the novel and the manga she's very very different she's much more of a gang leader and i mean she even when we we lose too much students during the conversations that she has um and that's uh yoji uh kuramoto and yoshimi uh yagagi now yoshimi is actually part of her gang um it's gang and she's um well we see those two characters have hung themselves in the film version, in the novel and the um, the manga, it's actually Mitsuko who uh, shoots them both. Because um, these those two are actually again they're in a relationship. Uh, Yoshimi is one of Mitsuko's sort of little minions, and uh, she was actually drawn into prostitution by Mitsuko, who um, basically sold her to a couple of middle-aged men um, in exchange for her virginity. And it's shortly after that that she meets uh, Yoji, who she ultimately um, who feels that he can sort of like you know rescue her from this life and path that Mitsuko is taking her down. And it's really this they're sort of like trying to figure out their feelings to each other. And um, basically, in the manga, Yoji throws his gun away, and Mitsuko picks up and shoots him in the head. Um, and in the in the in the novels again it's the same but uh the manga is a lot more sort of graphic with it and there's this really quite disgusting scene of yoshimi trying to push yoshi's uh head back together while reprimanding him for looking so scruffy so the manga's got some <laughs> real interesting moments in it has to be said <laughs> so so in in the film you know, there's there's none of that. In no, the film, they just uh, they just. It's almost as if they're looking out and say, "Hey, look, I just found these two, and they killed themselves. I'm not going to be weak." Yeah, like exactly. Them. But actually, when when you when you put, uh, uh, you know, the the backstory from the, for, and you know, we have to take the novel is the source, right? Not the novel is is the, is where it started. Um, it's interesting again that that, that you see that, especially as we've just had two people kill themselves. So that 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 was a bit. That all seems a bit. I mean, people are dropping like flies at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how many we lose in this chapter, but it feels like maybe ten people, maybe nine, ten people, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people we're going to lose. I think in this chapter, um, and and four of them have committed suicide. Just seems a bit odd, especially when we didn't get to see one of them. So, I know there's a fan theory that that Mitsuko killed these guys. Um, I think that's borne out by the novel and the and the, um, and the manga from the sound. Yeah, and it. I think it's also when you look at her general sort of nature of it, you you can see it. But at the same time, it's all like, why would she take all this time to like stage a mock hanging in the in the film? Where she makes no sort of sense that she would sort of waste her time, especially when there's so many players still in the field. 
that she would leave herself so vulnerable. Um, it it kind of... unless it's like you know like you know like in medieval times where they'd put heads on stakes outside cities to warn people. To be... <laughs> bad or something like that is there something like that going on i don't know is you know is it marking a territory i i I, yeah i I don't know because again there are a lot of you know the the film has an app it's less than two hours to tell its tale and so many characters which are clearly given some backstory and some quite a lot of backstory just are just people that you wouldn't even notice yeah they're in that one scene they're on the bus and they and they wake up in the in the battle royal centre, and we never learn anything more about them until they die. Um, and there's uh, there's five or six characters we we you know we really do get to learn. Whereas in the book, for sure, I mean I haven't really read the manga. I've, I've read the first couple of chapters of it, but in the book, you know, many of these characters get much more time, and even if they don't get a full-on backstory, their relationship with the other characters is is definitely um, made up. Because I think in this one, um, Megumi sort of says to her, oh, oh, Miss Hooker, it's you. Well, I didn't really know you. I didn't really hang around with your gang, but I've got no problem with you. And so the you know, the idea that Masuka is, is some kind of gang leader is just sort of thrown out there, but we don't really know everybody that's part of her gang, do we? Yeah, and I mean, she hasn't got like, the, biggest, uh, the biggest of gangs, because, I mean, it's basically in her... Her little gang. I mean, she had Yoshimi uh, in there. She obviously had um, had Hirano uh, Shimizu as well. And the, basically, the three of them they doubled in prostitution, larceny, blackmail, extortion, and drugs. Um, and it's really because of Yoji that uh, Yoshimi actually tries to get out of the gang sort of life. And it could be seen as well when you obviously know that story that Mitsuko took particular offense to it and. Um, so it's an opportunity to do away with this girl who's obviously betrayed her. But um, Misuko, I mean, she sort of she out of all these characters, I think she sort of settles into the situation the best. I mean, she has multiple outfit changes throughout the game, <laughs> which it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, she is. But still. Other than other than our two returning um, uh, students. She's the one that just sort of gets on and gets on with it and thinks, yeah, I was born for this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if she wants to... Uh, yeah, I, I just remember what her final words are in the film. So, yeah, she does want to win. But, yeah, she is, she's the one that that is immediately on her A game, isn't she? Definitely so. Um it's also interesting the fact that with Mizuko, she doesn't, she's not like stockpiling weapons, um, like some of these characters who no. are they're just obviously picking up any sort of weapons that uh, that they can they can get hold of. Uh, but with uh, Mizuko, she's always traveling light. I mean, she obviously has a stick as a main weapon, but I mean, it's just the pistol really that um, that she gets hold of. Uh, that uh, she sort of hangs on to, and I mean, you obviously see this the the hand taser coming in as well. So, but um, yeah, she doesn't really sort of stockpile weapons compared to some of these other sort of characters who are just basically constantly uh, trying to add to any sort of advantages that they have. So, hmm. <coughs> we're definitely going to meet her again. Indeed, this will not <laughs> be the last time that we uh, meet Mitsuko, and we'll certainly dive more into her backstory as it's slowly revealed over the course of the film. Um, 
But in terms of the chapter, this brings us to the end of uh, this episode. Unless anything else you will bring up, Stephen? I don't think so. I think I think we've. we've... It's a very short chapter that a lot happens in, and we meet, like I say, like one one of the best and and most most well-rounded characters in the film. But you know, we, we we've had nine deaths, um, so that uh, we thinned a lot. And um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's you know, it's a really really short chapter where a lot happens in it, and it really, yeah, it it. it you know, as you said at the beginning of the episode, you know, things things are really happening now. Yeah, definitely it? so. I mean, it. I was surprised how long it took us to get out into the field. To be honest, I did not expect mm. that it was going to take us what six episodes to to get out there. But obviously, we have now. Um, I mean, it takes two episodes to get through the um, how to play battle royale video. But indeed, <laughs> certainly with this um, this particular chapter, though, that. Um, we vote, we establish really that uh, Mitsuko and uh, Kazuo are the two real dangerous sort of predators on this field, and I think it's interesting as well that they're both sort of introducing quick succession. They, the film doesn't sort of like play it out. It's all like, oh, it's all like, well, this person's really dangerous. And then like, a bit later, they sort of introduce that like Mitsuko's really dangerous. They just pretty much in the space of um, a couple of minutes that both these characters are sort of highlighted as being like key players of this game yeah here you go here's the two main antagonists of this movie because <coughs> um, up to now I guess the story's been based around our protagonists really hasn't it you know the, the you know, two, two, two characters who are clearly going to have our sympathies and yes, I'm watching this film almost, you know, chapter by chapter. It's very clear now that this is, as you say, this is the chapter it says, right, and here's the two bastards of the island. <laughs> um, <laughs> let, and let's show you why, and let's show you why they should be feared. And, and, and they should. Yeah, definitely. It's sort of like you son before you were sort of like, uh, you had just a group of kids on the island, and now it's just... Really, with the this chapter, we we finally sort of split it out into who's the predator and who's the prey, um, and it's very clear that you know you have you have this unique situation of having two alpha predators on the island, which is first of all it's interesting in the fact of like who is going to fall to these these two, and then second it's all like what's going to happen when these two meet each other. So it's uh, these two very interesting sort of like paths that we get to follow from this point on really so and I think the film does a really great job of of playing out both those options really for the audience but all of that we will obviously cover on the the forthcoming episodes indeed but this brings us to the end of uh, tonight's episode thank you as always for listening if you want to obviously uh, listen back to any of our previous episodes you can do Um, we also have uh, via our uh-huh. You can uh, you can do via any of our podcast feeds. We also got the full archive on our website, um, AsianCinemaFilmClub.wordpress.com, where you can also check out the complete archive of our main show, the Asian Cinema Film Club, where every couple of weeks, both myself and myself and Stephen take turns to pick a film to show to the other, and uh, we discuss. And uh, if you check out our most recent episode, you can enjoy the. Happy Feet, as directed by Oliver Stone, that is <laughs> A Penguin's Memory, um, which is probably one of our more unique films, and a film born out of 
the Japanese whiskey company Santori wanting to make a film uh, based around their mascot, the cute little blue penguin. But um, that was certainly an interesting one, and I would uh, certainly recommend you go to go and check it out. Um, but... We've we've had some interesting episodes recently, and and but 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 a penguin with PTSD following the Vietnam War <coughs> wasn't where I thought we'd be going. <laughs> I always like to keep things interesting in the show. We don't just go for the obvious. We just like to do the deep cuts as well. But um, uh, thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button. You can follow us both on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just look for Asian Simba Film Club and uh, we will pop right up there. And uh, we will be back next time with our next chapter, First Report. But until then, good night. <laughs>